Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Monday, November 16th, 2020. And that's just four days after the PlayStation 5 hit store shelves here in the U.S. on November 12th. And on that exact same day, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, a new action-adventure game developed by Insomniac Games and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment for the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 dropped. Last week, IGN put the first 25 minutes of the game up. And it really is crazy ambitious. I mean, the, the first, this introductory chunk of the game is, is Peter Parker and Miles working together. But there's a prison transfer that goes horribly wrong. And you, you now get to chase Rhino through the city where he, he lays waste to much of Uptown. And it actually takes both Peter and Miles quite a while to finally get Rhino back under control. See, now this is the Disney ride that I want out of the the thing that they're building. I want, because you say it just like the Disney, and then suddenly something went horribly wrong. You know, the, there the we go. prison mm-hmm. transfer, and then you got to chase after Rhino. Can you imagine, like, Rhino going through the park, busting stuff up, and you're with Spidey mm. swinging along, trying to catch up to him as havoc ensues, and things get busted, and, oh, it would be beautiful. Oh, the chaos. Mm-hmm. Oh, the beautiful, beautiful chaos. And it's worth, again, chasing down the, these this 25-minute chunk that IGN's put up, because this is a level of destruction I don't think I've ever seen in any of the films. You end up right where the Roxxon Energy Corporation is supposed to be building uh, its new headquarters in the city. And in fact, Simon Krieger, the the head of R&D at Roxxon, arrives at the scene just as they're taking down Rhino and actually thanks Miles because basically he and Rhino did the company a favor by knocking down so many buildings so they now don't have to demo them to build their headquarters. And they just sort of give a hint that maybe Mr. Krieger is not somebody we should like or trust. And again, I don't want to give too much away, but Roxxon is is perhaps not – on the level and wait a likewise, minute we can't trust a big name corporation wait a minute I, this I, is I new know. to me i'm gonna have to work out my feelings about this <laughs> okay all right and we also have a mysterious organization called the underground which is led by the tinker somebody who's able to craft some amazing high-tech gear and to further complicate the situation miles's mom rio is running for city council at this exact same moment by the way, a big promotional push underway for this game. Just today, Disney Music Group released I'm Ready, which is a song that Jaden Will Smith's son uh, performs as part of the original video game soundtrack for uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. But here's the thing. Games like this are not guaranteed successes. In fact, the Marvel's Avengers, uh, the role-playing brawler video game that was developed by Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix, it was released back on August 14th of this year with plenty of hype, lots of hoopla. was designed for multiple platforms, uh, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox uh, Series X, as well as uh, Series S, not to mention the Xbox One. I don't know if you saw the report that came out just this past week, but in the 13 and a half weeks since Marvel's Avenger first hit store shelves, this game from Crystal Dynamics has lost 96% of its players since launch. Sure. It's shallow. I've stepped in deeper mud puddles. 
I mean, okay. it's it's fun. I, I enjoy it when I play it, but I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't played it in a, like a month and a half. And then I got the Xbox Series X and mm-hmm. I was like, well, here it is. Let me just play that because it's here on hand right now. Mm-hmm. It's got more patches than my jeans from the 70s. But uh, yeah, it's still got a ways to go. Yeah. So interesting you mentioned that because Square Enix released a small patch just this past Thursday for the PlayStation 4 as well as the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. But even so, I mean, uh, Square Enix, which makes a point of not releasing its game figure sales, just posted a $48 million loss, and a lot of people are pointing to Marvel's Did their president Avengers. happen to get a $48 million bonus this year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 b- before I forget... The one thing that people who've played Miles Morales Spider-Man game so far have really, the the one aspect of the game that people seem to really enjoy is there's a bodega in Miles' neighborhood. And when you go into the bodega, the bodega has a cat. (laughs) And while you're in the store, you can pet the cat, you know, and the cat will interact with you. And that evidently people are spending far too much time in the bodega you know that the, the harlem is being ravaged by Roxxon and but this cat is so cool look at this so speaking of news i, I guess i should mention that the news portion of this week's marvelous disney is brought to you by storybook destinations trusted travel partner of the marvelous disney podcast if you're you're now ready to travel again and want a worry-free travel experience be sure and book online at storybookdestinations.com and typically, the nice folks at Storybook Destinations, they help you book trips to the Disney theme parks. And just today, Josh Tomorrow, the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products, kicked off this year's IAPA Expo. And IAPA stands for International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. I was hoping and there was a house of pancakes in there somewhere, but okay. Yeah, well, it's it's mostly funnel cake, you know, <laughs> and dipping dots. In fact, that honestly, that is actually one of the reasons. Typically, when they do the IAPA Expo, is at the Orange County Convention Center. Basically, what it is is if somebody took the greatest uh, amusement park in the world, but took it up thirty thousand feet and then dropped it. Because, again, when you tour the hall, it's like, okay, so that's the guy who makes cars for roller coasters. And over here is the guy who makes the cotton candy machines. And over here is the guy who does the animatronics. And out in the parking lot, they have the latest and greatest new off-the-shelf rides. So, I mean, you, you could spend an afternoon walking through this place and sort of see the future of theme parks. And at the same time, people are constantly shoving little cups of food in your hand to the effect of try our new cook in 30 second pizza, you know, which you can sell at your park. But uh, anyway, to get back to Mr. DeMauro, uh, he's doing the virtual version of this. And what was interesting is because he wasn't standing in front of a podium in, you know, some function room with the Orange County Convention Center. He was able to take his uh, remarks to event attendees and have his speech shot all over the Disney park. So we had, for example, one shot of Josh actually standing on the stairs of the Hyperion Theater at uh, Disney's California Adventure. But because he was up on the stairs at the third level of the theater, behind him there was this amazing shot of the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout show building the old tower of terror for that park but right behind it 
you could see that rooftop with the Quinjet parked on it. Josh also took people inside of the Avengers, the Anaheim campus for the new area for DCA. And we got to see the Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure show building. Not only that, they took us inside and showed us the Web Slinger ride vehicle coming into the load unload area and show how it's going to open up and allow guests to, I guess, four guests sit on one side, four guests sit on the other side. And then again, it's the, the faux Web Slinging. Oh, also got to see the interior of the Guardians of Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. This thing is huge. It's a giant black building at this point filled with gray coaster track. It, it looks like Space Mountain on steroids. Also, for those of you who get a little motion sick, probably should be aware that the way Cosmic Rewind starts is you're launched backwards out of the station. And then the end route to the first hill the, the top of the first hill, the cars will whip around 180 degrees, so guests are facing forward. But you go backwards out of the station, facing backwards. Also, according to tomorrow, uh, the Avengers campuses for California Adventure and Walt Disney Studios Paris are still a go. He did, however, not mention the Hong Kong version, which may have been a victim of that $900 million of capital expenditure that Disney put on hold in May of this year. Speaking of which, again, one of the reasons Disney's put that much stuff on pause is when are people going to come back to the Disney theme parks? Or for that matter, given what's going on in California, when will they be allowed to go back to the parks? But just today, news came out of New York where the tourism office there was was cautioning, you know, like the Broadway theaters and and places like, you know, the Empire State Building and and the like that rely on tourists. It's like, yeah, look, there's this vaccine coming and it's really encouraging, but you have to understand that it's not enough to have the vaccine. People have to feel confident. They have to feel safe to travel, which is why people have to be ready that it could be as long as 2025 before tourism returns to 2019 levels, which makes you wonder, you know, if, that, if that's the case in New York, how long is it going to take before people feel confident about going back to Anaheim, Orlando, or Paris? At for that this matter? point, I really wish that virtual reality had a much larger install base than it currently had, because mm-hmm. just last week I sent both you and Len a link to an upcoming virtual reality gaming experience. Mm-hmm. That was based entirely around being in Batu. It's supposed to be like an exact duplicate of Batu and mm-hmm. the surrounding areas that you don't get to go to at Disney World. So it's got this little fictional outlying area for you to go venture out and do missions for the people of Batu and then come back and uh, explore the area, and I guess, you know, like, C-3PO shows up, and they've got to actually have Anthony Daniels voicing C-3PO mm-hmm. again and all that. So I haven't been able to go to, to experience any of that since it's been open, but I've got a VR mm-hmm. headset, and I sure am going to spend the 20 bucks to buy that game, download it, and have my own virtual experience. If mm-hmm. it takes possibly four or five years, and only if, virtual reality had a much larger install base than like 1% of the world or mm-hmm. the nation, then uh, it it would be more reasonable for 
Disney to go, you know what? Let's let's just do everything virtual because they've got things like The Void mm-hmm. already built where it wouldn't be too terribly hard to take that computer language stuff and ship it over to a headset and make it work in your apartment and charge you a ticket fee. Like, you remember the arcade model where it was just a quarter? But man, mm-hmm. I spent 20 bucks that day playing that mm-hmm. one game a quarter at a time. And mm-hmm. it, it could be one of those things where instead of it just being uh, every time you want to go, uh, instead of downloading the game for $30, it's a $2 ticket. But you you have to get to the end and you have to do it in one life. Because if you get killed, you got to put in another two bucks and try again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they could make a fortune off of just taking the digital models they've currently got and kind of tweaking it to work in a VR headset and doing virtual tours, virtual um, thing Like, I was watching their Animal Kingdom thing that Josh Gad had done. Uh, Great narrated. Show, yeah. By the way. Hey, yep. by the mm-hmm. way, uh, Josh. Enough with the narration. Mm. Leave some jobs for some other people. I would like to have a job in voiceover one day. You got too much work. You're fine. Step back from the mic, sir. Okay. But like that show, I wanted to do like the 3D cam. I've got a virtual reality microphone that records things in 3D. Mm. I want to go there and and redo that show in virtual reality. And then, you know, like sell a $2 ticket to Animal Kingdom. And it would be beautiful. Oh, it would be so beautiful. Yeah, so I, I was. I'm thinking, if there was a, a larger install base, that would be a route for them to go. Mm-hmm. But people need to really the the technology's got to creep up a little bit more and be better, and and then people got to get on it. It's so interesting to bring this up because my daughter Alice just this past weekend, she's had the Oculus Rift system. And she just uh, this weekend was was upgrading to a newer system. I'm I'm, I'm blanking the one, but it, it uses cameras to map the physical space you're in. Yeah, the Quest which, Two. It's beautiful. I I got that uh, one. It's really oh. nifty. Very nifty. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's weird because you you draw a little square to play in in your room, mm-hmm. and yep. uh, like I'll have my coffee sitting on the table, and if I kind of lean my head over and mm-hmm. break out of that virtual boundary. The mm-hmm. game world disappears and my real world shows up in black and white and I can reach out and grab my coffee and take a sip, put it back on the table and lean my head back into the game space and, and the virtual world reappears and I can go back to gaming without ever taking off my headset. It's very, wow. very clever. Very oh, clever. Oh, that sounds amazing. Okay. I hate to say this, but your idea of going to Disney's Animal Kingdom, I, again, I, I so enjoyed the, the secrets of the... Disney's Animal Kingdom mm-hmm. show on, on Disney Plus, but at the same time, it would be great to get to go to places like Batu, or for that matter, the Disney's uh, Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel, which is supposed to open in Paris in March, uh, March eighth, two thousand twenty-one. This is kind of a fluid situation, folks. I, I don't know if you've heard about how Disneyland Paris closed again just two weeks ago on October thirtieth again due to a resurgence of COVID in France. Current plan, now mind you, the government has to sign off on this, but the idea is that the resort will reopen December 19th through January 3rd for the holiday season, and then close on January 4th for what traditionally is the start of the slow season at Disneyland Paris, and and then would reopen on February 12th, and then some three and a half weeks later, if everything goes according to plan, 
the Disney Hotel New York, the Outer Marvel, would then open up on March 8th. And I don't know if you remember us talking about this when this project was originally announced, Aaron, but this is sort of a Marvel fan's dream. The lobby is going to be filled with a display of various, you know, Tony Stark, Iron Man, full-size outfits. The hallways are going to be filled with both classic art from the Marvel comics as well as concept art from the movies. Yeah, we were talking about the heist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. W- wink, wink. Uh, we're going to have to bleed <laughs> some of this out, but the heist. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Right. I'll be the one down in the lobby causing the distraction. So this is all dependent on if things go the right way and the hotel's actually op- able to open on March 8th. But uh, speaking of things that, that have had their debuts postponed and delayed, We've talked a lot about WandaVision on the show. and Oh, like, God, I think now what? On... Now what? What happened? Is everyone well, no, okay? That... <laughs> well, this is the thing. Finally, I mean, face it, we were talking about the reshoots on the last show, which, by the way, uh, wrapped at Pinewood on uh, October 30th. But because this new footage now it had to be edited, scored, not to mention all sorts of effects work had to be folded in, the view of this limited series has been delayed yet again. Which, as I understand it... My surprise face is always on the top shelf in the closet. Excuse me, I'll be right back. I gotta go get it. (laughs) Honey, they moved. Can you believe it? They moved WandaVision again. Yeah, up on the top shelf, please. Top shelf. Hey, okay. All right, we strapped it on yet? Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've got it on. I I feel comfortable again. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Now, to be fair, as inconvenient as you've been, did you see where Entertainment Weekly actually did, had had a cover story printed that was supposed to hype the show's start in November, and they had to pull because of these reshoots. They had to pull everything out of it with the locked-in dates. Poor magazines, because it's not like, you know, they can just on a whim just, oh, yeah, we'll just change everything. No big deal. Hmm. Right? It takes Sorry. a little more effort when you're in actual print with paper. There we go. So, we yeah, go. They, they did interview, uh, well, I don't know if it was them, but the, there was an interview with Paul Bettany. And the mm-hmm. one thing that, that did catch my eye was he said that they shot the first episode in front of a live studio audience over the no, course of a couple of really? days. Yeah, because they're doing the sitcom thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, oh God, I love that they committed. Yeah, because you know much. they're going to feed off that energy. If the if the jokes are landing and the audience is laughing, oh, they're going to be having mm-hmm. a good time with it, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're not going to put in cheese laughter, canned laughter, mm-hmm. that's great. That's wonderful. I have to admit, I am so much of a '60s television nerd because again, I watched it in real time. You know, it's one of these things where the the shots of you know the two characters in the kitchen, and, and it's so clearly the Petri's kitchen. But I love that they shot actually in front of a live audience. But well, anyway, uh, speaking of Wanda, uh, very much looking forward to the show. But we finally, finally, finally have an actual air date for the first episode, which is January fifteenth, two thousand twenty-one. And I made a point of confirming this with with friends at Disney Plus. And then we got talking about, well, why that date? And it's like, well, okay, you got to remember, last episode of season two of The Mandalorian, that airs on December 18th. And then a week later, 
is when Soul, the, the, the Pixar movie that got deferred from a theatrical release, that debuts on Disney Plus on, on December 25th, Christmas Day. And they figure they want at least a, a week for that to soak so families are home and can sit and watch that movie. And then some two weeks after that is when the Wanda drops. And the thinking is they placed it in the middle of the month and they're going to really, really heavily hype it on ABC and all sorts of arms of the great Disney uh, corporation with the idea that they want people who haven't subscribed to Disney Plus think, oh, well, I guess I have to subscribe to see that show. And because that strategy has actually worked out really well for Disney, that the whole notion of creating these big events that you have to subscribe to, you know, Hamilton did that this summer. Wait a minute. If When is Soul released? In on Disney Plus, December twenty fifth, Christmas Day. When is Mulan come out for free on Disney Plus? I want to say it starts on December first, okay. and in fact, it, it was Drew who talked about how they they in fact had to be upfront. Uh, you know, when remember when yeah, there was yeah, the whole thing the with Mulan and all that, right? Yeah, the upcharge. Yeah, but the difference is, like, if Mulan were coming out for free in the exact same mm-hmm. window as Soul, then they mm-hmm. screwed up their scheduling. Uh, it's yeah. not because they've got you know full twenty four days in between, and mm-hmm. plus it mm-hmm. had its theatrical mm-hmm. run and it had its time as a, a digital purchase. So, you know, legitimately, I can see that's not blocking the window. I do mm-hmm. disagree, however, that uh, a Pixar fan is not necessarily a Marvel fan. I mm-hmm. I did not care that Soul was... I, I didn't know if it was coming out in theaters. Didn't care. Mm-hmm. Didn't know when it was coming out to Disney+. Plus. Didn't care. Because uh, it's not my number one mm-hmm. flavor of ice cream. You know, it's mm-hmm. really low down there. Like pistachio. I'll eat pistachio mm-hmm. if you give me pistachio ice cream, but it's not the one I choose first. So as far as it goes, you know, Mandalorian, great, because you usually have a lot of crossover with the adult mm-hmm. male nerd of mm-hmm. Star Wars and Marvel. That that usually jives pretty well together. So I can see distancing or separating Star Wars and, and Marvel. But Soul, you know, Pixar right in the middle is like, eh, I think that's a younger demographic. But at the same time, the business plan for Disney Plus was that, you know, it launched in November of last year and Disney's hope was in five years' time they'd have 100 million subscribers. And quarterly earnings call just last week, Aaron, Disney announced that they have, to date, 73.7 million subscribers. So, you know, they are so far ahead of the curve of where they thought they'd be. And a large of that... I bet they'll you know, hit the, the bullseye as soon as they start airing Marvel shows, because right now all, of, all they've got are the Star Wars fans. And, you know, and no, like that's, they, they've made something special that it, Mandalorian is, if you're a Star Wars fan, the only mm-hmm. place in the world you can get Mandalorian is from Disney Plus, because it's never been a absolutely. movie before. It's never been a comic mm-hmm. book before. It's mm-hmm. It was nothing. It was a show that we all got to discover week by week together, the way that programming used to be on television. Mm-hmm. And we could go into work the next day and we could talk about that one episode and and think about you know, what do you think is going to happen in the next episode and, and talk about that all week long. And then you get it, you know, that that's a wonderful communal experience, I believe, is that that mm-hmm. weekly scheduling. So when we get to the Marvel side of the fence and that starts happening with WandaVision and it's eked out week by mm-hmm. week. And we get to have that weekly conversation 
oh, it'll be a breath of fresh air again because it's, uh, oh, what'd you think of this? And and yeah, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get back to that, but it's going to be a while. And and putting soul in there was just like, man, I don't, I don't want to wait a month because of that movie. And it could be a great, mm-hmm. wonderful, perfect film, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's, it's slowing down my Marvel. No, I get that. I do. I do. I, you know, but, but again, it as a business strategy, parceling these things out, creating, you know, events, oh, that sort of thing. It has worked. Yeah, so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just like you, or I want my limited series from Marvel Studios. And speaking of Marvel Studios, when we get back from this break, we'll talk about, you know, again, how the features that are getting ready to, to, to get in production are, are adjusting to now this, this period where we're looking at a COVID resurgence. Before we get started here, I guess we should talk just for a moment a little bit about Spider-Man 3, which is now finished shooting its location work in Sunnyside, Queens, and is now down at Pinewood, Atlanta. Did you see the, the, the very first official photo off of the set? Yeah, and I want it to be just like a nice behind-the-scenes joke that will never appear in the movie, because like I said, I'm hoping that if they're holding off releasing things like Black Widow until COVID is over, Mm -hmm. then there Mm -hmm. should be no reason for Spider-Man to be wearing a mask when the movie comes out in 2022 or whenever it actually makes it to theaters. So absolutely. But, but, but what Aaron's referring to is that there's a photo of Tom Holland in his full Spider-Man outfit, including the pullover face mask, but he also has a hospital mask on on top of that. So it's like, but he ain't got no ears to strap behind with the mask. <laughs> so how's this? Hey, <laughs> wait a minute! I didn't even think of that. Okay, but yeah, it, but I think it was the caption was something to the effect of "Real superheroes actually wear masks." So pivot away from our third Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man movie, and let's talk about Love and Thunder. It's supposed to be released to theaters. February of 2022, that's only 15 months from now, Aaron, and and that's a lot closer than you might think. Now, they have not reportedly started shooting yet at Fox Studios in Sydney. Christian Bale, who's supposed to play the villain in this Taika Waititi movie, he arrived in Australia in late September, and supposedly because he was looking to work around the really strict quarantine uh, policies to the effect of, look, I've been here the whole time. But evidently, they are picking the storyline of Thor, Love, and Thunder up right from the end of Avengers Endgame because uh, Chris Pratt and Vin Diesel just indicated that they are definitely taking part in the shoot. So we are back with the R's gathered as Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, a couple of them anyway. Speaking of which, that, that it's interesting you bring that up because, of course, obviously, if we're picking up from the end of Endgame, Zoe Saldana's character, we have a rift between Star-Lord and his lady love. And what I'm hearing from my friends in, in Imagineering is that given that they are building the set of the Benatar down in Australia, right now the thinking is, it's like, look, we could wait for James Gunn to begin shooting Guardians of the Galaxy 3, get our ride elements for the Epcot ride, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. You know, And in fact... We're fairly close to that beginning as well, because just last week, James tweeted out that the script is written, and most of the production heads for this Marvel Studios film have been hired, so that that they are getting ready. Well, he's had that script written forever, because that was done before he ever did Suicide Squad. 
He, in a follow-up tweet, he made a point of saying very little has changed with this this Guardians 3 script, mm. again, which, again, remember, he wrote prior to being fired by Disney in July of, of 2018. And then, again, remember, he was reinstated nine months after that in March of 2019. So, mm. scripts been written, but the fact that now the production heads have been hired, it's like, so this is not a drill. They are moving forward. But at the same time, he is still working on Suicide Squad 2. In fact, I, I don't know if you saw the photo from last week of him with Sylvester Stallone, because I guess they've, they're shooting some new scenes where Stallone will be coming into the film. I would bet you it's, you know, because James worked with Stallone on Guardians 2, and Stallone clearly had a good time. Uh, you know, sure. and just the whole notion of like, hey, we, we got this stuff for Suicide Squad, and are you available? And it's like, sure, I'll, you know, come do that. Yeah, no idea who he'd play. And, the, and also to bring him in so late. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought that movie was all but done as well and just ready to be released to a theater when they open. So, oh well, boy, I'm so confused on timelines with these that. people. Well, and again, just to sort of put it out there, Suicide Squad, Warner's isn't tentatively uh, releasing that till August of next year. But again, so many things have been descheduled at this point. In fact, I, I forget when Wonder Woman 2 is now... Uh, supposed to come out. So those poor actors, they gotta go because you know that movie's gonna come out, you know, in a year from now, and and Gal's <laughs> gonna have to go on a junket, and they're gonna go, yeah. hey, what was the best memory of this movie? And she's like, I I don't know, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. It was like a decade ago when we filmed it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, like, same thing with James Gunn. You know, it's like he's got a script that was finished in, like, what, 2016, oh. probably, when yeah. he was really working on it. And then he hit yeah. save sometime around 2017 or 2018 <laughs> and hasn't looked at that document since. But at some point, his career is going to call on uh, upon him to go back to mm -hmm. that laptop, open that document, and start making film from it. And uh, it's weird how, you know, the work that he did five years ago is going to be what he's, his future career is going to be looking at. And then there's other act actors who film something and it's been shelved forever. And then they're going to be expected to remember a damn thing about, you know, what was it like working with Harrison Ford? I worked with Harrison Ford. Really? <laughs> that must have been cool. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's so funny you say this because, again, it's, it's always interesting when you, you do a press junket. And you get your five or ten minutes in a room with, you know, a performer. And in fact, I always tried to go into the room with different questions because you got to figure they've been asked the same damn question over and over and over again. But the very thing you, you just hit upon, the fact that it's not only getting asked the same damn question over and over again, but it's talking about a movie that they shot three years ago. And it's like, you know, you know if they were honest, it's like, I don't know. I don't remember. So, you know, oh, if we like, ever get to interview Gwyneth Paltrow, our very first question is, Gwyneth, do you know you were in Marvel movies? <laughs> we're going to start at a baseline here. Did you know uh, that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, she, she kind of has a, a history in regards to that. Um, okay, uh, just to double back quick. Remember, we need that those film elements for Cosmic Rewind, the, the coaster for Epcot. And so... Evidently, the plan at Imagineering right now is to try to shoot those while Thor Love and Thunder is being shot in Sydney. 
Uh, in fact, I'm told that the indicator that, that this is actually happening will be if photos turn up of Zoe Saldana flying into Australia. Because again, she's not supposed to be in Love and Thunder. But if she shows up there, she's there to do the work on the ride film elements for Cosmic Rewind. No, what about so I have to ca- caution you. Batista not part of that all of a sudden? I mean, obviously oh, Groot no, no. and uh, Rocket well, are digital, but uh, is, is he going to be? He hasn't confirmed it, or he's not enough of a social media animal to get out there. To, you know, again, because Diesel's very heavy into social media, likewise Chris Pratt. Right. I did, however, <laughs> have... The same friend in Imagineering float this scenario. Watch for Zoe Saldana to fly in. But then again, we could just shoot her here in Los Angeles. You know, everybody else is in Australia, and we'll just insert her digitally. Mm-hmm. So lots of variables here, folks. Watch Cosmic Rewind just be over a Zoom chat. Stay awake, gal. <laughs> uh, but again, it's a different age now, and, and you can do that sort of thing. You can be in one place and be digitally inserted. And, and speaking of, of things like digital doubles, just this past weekend, Victoria Alonso, who was an executive vice president at Marvel Studios, did uh, an interview with a uh, Spanish magazine and touched on a, a number of issues. Uh, among them, the Black Panther production team uh, and how, at this point, they have no desire to use a digital double of the late Chadwick Boseman to have him play Black Panther. Alonso was quoted as saying, There's only one Chadwick, and he's not with us anymore. Our king, unfortunately, has died in real life, not just in fiction. And we're taking a little time to see how we return to that history and what we do to honor uh, this chapter, given what happened so unexpected, so painful, so terrible. So this leaves only a couple of possible scenarios Mm -hmm. that the mantle of the Black Panther in the MCU gets handed off to another person which there has been the speculation that Shuri could be the next Black Panther, and that would be fine. Okay. I don't know of any other characters really in the that, that are already established in the MCU that they could otherwise handle or hand that mantle off to where mm-hmm. fans would be accepting of it. Like Shuri is absolutely, fans would rally behind that. Mm-hmm. But another character already established in the MCU, probably not as much. So that leaves only then another option is hire another actor who is able to bring his best Chadwick game. And I don't want to say like mimicking what Chadwick did, but in the very same spirit of Brandon Routh's Superman Returns Mm -hmm. had all of the heart and feel of Christopher Reeve's Superman. That, I think, was a perfect casting choice and a a perfect portrayal without trying to mimic something, definitely Mm -hmm. nodding his head, going, yeah, that was great, and we're in that same vibe. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the character. It's not necessarily Chris. It's Superman, right? That's Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to capture. So if you could get someone that could give his, his best Black Panther in the same way that Chadwick gave it to where... You could put them side by side. That I think that's your only only other option. That's two options. Where where else could you go, Jim? Out, outside of that, uh, Shuri or or another actor? Can you think of another logical way to handle that? 
You know, I'm not familiar enough with the various stories that have been done with Black Panther Mm -hmm. at Marvel Comics over the years. And I just wonder, were there other characters that that came into play the Black Panther at some point? Right. Well, I got a third option. I got a third option. Okay. They explain it by saying Black Panther watched Mandalorian and decided to never take off his mask and this is the way. (laughs) And, oh. and that's it. <laughs> okay. Well, damn, perfect. That works. Okay. Quickly touch on some of the other stuff that Alonzo brought up in this interview. Victoria uh, gave an update on Loki, the limited series. And basically there that, again, this was a show that when it paused, it had four and five weeks left of filming. So it was kind of behind the eight ball when it finally went back behind the cameras. The current plan is WandaVision drops January 15th. Black Widow comes out on May 7th of next year. And supposedly the plan is let that soak. And then late spring, early summer is when Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the limited series, will start airing on Disney+. And tentatively, Loki, it's slotted for fall of 2021 the problem is that disney hasn't officially confirmed this yet but there is a mandalorian spinoff the cara dune character may be getting her own show right they're in the process of writing and in theory that would allow them to start doing a star wars series in the fall or season three of the mandalorian the fall and they'd say the Cara Dune show would start airing in the spring. So it's just, it, it looks like Loki, which originally they were thinking of in the fall, might actually wind up being pushed into the very same position that WandaVision is right now. That it would it would air starting in January of 2022. But again, the very fluid situation, very dependent on what happens with the coronavirus. And, and again, in theory, we're supposed to have... This vaccine, in fact, just tonight, there was some very encouraging news about there's now a variation of the vaccine that doesn't necessarily have to be kept at 300 degrees below zero in a special refrigerator. Right. But there's so many variables at this point. I also should mention Ms. Alonzo also got asked about Tony Stark's future. And Flatter said, look, Tony Stark is dead. That's our story. And Tony Stark was kind of a father figure to Spider-Man, but if Spider-Man is going to grow as a character, it doesn't necessarily make sense to resurrect Tony Stark. And it's the Marvel Universe. Anything could happen, but right now we, we don't have any plans. What kind of concerns me is, wasn't there talk of a Black Widow cameo, a, a, a Tony Stark cameo in, in Black Widow? Yeah, well, if he was alive currently at that point in history, it wouldn't be breaking any rules about anything. By the way, I broke down. when I think on the last show we talked about how I got this note from Amazon saying that the official movie special book published by Titan, the Marvel's Black Widow movie book, uh, was available. And I cracked down and I, I ordered it. I got it delivered to the house. I am holding it in my hands right now. Ooh. The thing is, I have not opened it. Okay, how many pages does it have? Ah, uh, all right. Just Let jump me, to the very, to, very, very back. I'm going to the very, very, very Peak back. Peek only Let's at the bottom see. corner or the top corner. Here. 
turn, 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 turn. We'll play some uh, t- page turning music here, real quick, while we. Ninety looks like ninety four. Ninety four. All right, I'm gonna go to my and random they... number. Hold on, I'm gonna go to my random number generator. Ninety four okay. is the limit. All right, random number generator says page sixty two. Look at page sixty two. Page 62. All right, we're opening up, folks. Let's see. 36, 40. Page 61. I am looking at a, a scene being shot with Yelena and Natasha. Talks about Kate Sherlin's choice of camera angles. Ooh. This page basically talks about how they chose Kate to direct the film. Uh, I'm going right. to close it before I learn too much, but I have to tell you, back cover of this thing is a snazzy picture of the Taskmaster and a quote uh, to the effect, there is no reason to do a Black Widow film unless we could dig deep and be brave. Well, so I, I'm just happy with the spoiler that you gave me that uh, Scarlett Johansson's in this film, because now I'm interested. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh. Okay. But because we got such a nice reaction to that special feature you did last week, the the Marvel comics, and, you know, how, in theory, the Marvel Corporation could find different ways to sort of mix things up during this period when it's it's tough to get films and limited series out the door. But I I think it's important at this time to to actually talk about something that's just gone on at Marvel Comics. And John Nee, the publisher, it was reported on November 6th he was let go from the company. Nee joined Marvel back in January of 2018. He'd uh, previously been an executive vice president at DC. And he took over the publishing role from, from Dan Buckley, who wound up being promoted to the president of Marvel Entertainment. Nee's duties at Marvel Comics included mapping out a business strategy for that division of the company, uh, managing its budget, as well as guiding the marketing of, of Marvel Comics. And John basically walked through the door and then starting in January, February of this year, marched straight into the COVID buzzsaw. Likewise, there were a, a number of, of comic books that uh, just suspended publication because it's just sort of like, we can't do anything at this time. That just, it, it doesn't make any sense. But evidently, John was initially among those folks who were furloughed by Disney earlier this year due to COVID. But somewhere over the past few months, the furlough changed into a formal se- uh, separation. Yeah. And kind of wonder what that was about. And it's just kind of ironic that you, you know, in kind of a comic way, we're talking about the challenges that Marvel Comics was facing. And here's, here's a guy in real life who had only been on the job a year or so, you know, trying to find his footing. And and this happened, and now he's out the door. And it, it'll just be interesting to see who Marvel Comics turns to next as they, just like all of us, are trying to figure out how we do what we do in you know a world of they're gonna replace them with a suggestion box and be like (laughs) hey guys if you have any ideas just write them down on a piece of paper put them in the slot here we'll check by once every couple of weeks make some make sure there's some food and water for you make sure you're fed i mean if you think about the the structure of a balance sheet for the big businesses right they're trying to save some money if you Mm -hmm. cut uh, an artist, a writer, and a, a thing. You lose a comic book. That's a source of yeah. revenue. But if you cut one big cheese, one one big chunk of brass, 
a mm-hmm. hefty paycheck, then you can keep all the underlings to keep making the product because that's what mm-hmm. you need is the product. And uh, if he's the guy that ran the budget, well, you just tell the guys, hey, guys, there's no more budget. If you need some ink, you just poke your finger and you <laughs> stick it on the paper and go, I'm doing Daredevil now because it's red. <laughs> <sighs> That's what we got to do to make the comic books. I remember Kiss did that, I think, in the 70s, where they all picked they their did. finger and put they a drop did. of blood in yes. the paint. And yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. See, it can became I... a marketing ploy, and now well, no, you can get did... John Romita Jr.'s blood on uh-huh. your issue of uh, Spider-Man 512. So. Okay. And if, if to, again, if, if the folks at Marvel you know decide to go with that idea, remember the check goes to Aaron Adams. No, because it's going to so. be written in blood, and that makes it blood money, and I can't have their blood on my hands. Uh, wow. Wow. That, wow. That, uh, you pulled that right out of thin air there. I, I am impressed. Okay. What do you, folks? I, I guess that's you know, on that somewhat depressing note. In fact, weren't we joking? Earlier, that given how dystopian things are, are are getting, that we need our Armageddon Fury Road inspired name. Yeah, so what was what was yours going to be? I was going to be Rat Biter Aaron because I was thinking mm-hmm. kind of like a toe cutter from uh, mm. the original Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so yeah, it was Rat Biter seemed to have a, a good vibe to it. But you uh, seem to go like almost like uh, English polite was rather depressing, Jim. <laughs> well, you know, just I mean, you know, just sort of the male equivalent of Debbie Downer. Yeah, you but know, it sounds like, like a Monty Python line. It's like, <laughs> hello, we've got someone here to torture you. He's going to flog you with. What do you got? You got some, a whip? No. What do you, what do you got? Uh, it's just rather depressing, Jim, actually. He's going to tell you a sad story and you're going to say, well, that's quite a bummer. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's going to be this animation from Terry Gilliam and then we're going to cut and now something completely different that brings us to the end of this week's Marvelous Disney if you can head over to iTunes and rate and recommend this show uh, if you really 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 like what you heard here tonight you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe uh, let's see social media wise you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hill Media, and likewise over at Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Uh, let's see, we've got Disney Dish with Glenn Testo. We've got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. Uh, we also have Looking at Lucasfilm, likewise Universal Giant with Dustin Fuse. And uh, in fact, I'm going to be recording a brand new I Want That with Shelly Viado lead this Wednesday. So hopefully we'll have one of those out the door. Uh, on behalf of my good friend, Mr. Ratbiter, Uh, Thank you for listening tonight, and we will be back soon.